the Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona sports, Ain't No Fang. There's one week left in the regular season. The Arizona Diamondbacks will not be heading to the postseason, but why are they sending one of their core players down to the minors now? Welcome back to the Ain't No Fang podcast. I'm Steve Zinsmeister with Cody Fincher as well, diving into late season moves for the Arizona Diamondbacks. This one, kind of peculiar, but I think we can all understand it at its core. Why are the Arizona Diamondbacks sending Alec Thomas down to AAA Reno this late in the game? Do you I have an answer for that, Barry? I, well, I mean, I'm just looking at his numbers right now. Um, and am I on his minor league page? No, I'm not. Um, he, in his last seven games, that's not that big of a sample size. Let's go 15 games. Okay. Last fifteen major league games? Yes. Okay. If I'm looking if I'm on the correct site, so I I'm on MLB yeah, I'm on MLB.com. Forty in his last fifteen games, forty seven at bats, he only has five hits. He's batting one he was batting one oh six in his last fifteen games with no home runs, four RBIs, uh one walk, eight strikeouts, um, on base of one twenty, slug of one twenty eight. Um, he's been Alec Thomas has been struggling mightily here in in September. Seven for, for fifty five in the month of September. Yeah, not good. No. Um, and Tori Lavello was on Burns and Gambo. Like he, I believe he joins them every Tuesday. Um, and he said basically it came down to yeah he's been struggling and he uh just lost confidence. This is what Tori had to say on the Burns and Gambo show. It has been a grind for him. It has been a little bit of a challenge. I felt like there was starting, he's starting to show a little bit of a loss in confidence. We were looking to make this decision the right one, and who knows if it's the right one. It's just given all the facts that we were laying on the table, we just felt like it would be the best thing for him to go down. Okay, so obviously when a player is struggling and they're as young as a player like Alec Thomas, this is a team full of guys that are kind of at the same point in their careers, right? You've got Corbin Carroll up, you've got Jake McCarthy, who uh, I think it was uh, Hazen or Lavello had actually mentioned this week too. We did this with McCarthy a couple of times this year, yeah. sending him down, and they, it worked. They did it with Jake McCarthy. They did it at first with Paven Smith. True. And then Pavin ended up breaking his wrist, diving for a ball in the outfield, and he missed a lot of time. He's back now and actually hitting the ball pretty well in a, in a few games since he's been back. But yeah, it worked with McCarthy. I'm okay with this move. I'm fine with it because I liked Tory's reasoning in that soundbite you played. I liked what he said when he when he said we'd rather him go down to AAA. The season's almost over. By the way, the Aces are going to be playing in postseason minor league baseball. So Actually, yesterday. So, for clarification, too, Alec has played in three games in Reno so far this week. Yeah. Today they're off, and then tomorrow the playoffs start. Right. And he had five hits the other day He's, in one game. So. so, whether or not you want to evaluate whether this has worked out for his benefit in the major leagues is still yet to be seen right because he's not going to play we won't, in the major leagues. we won't know that until next year and that's a long time but what now. he did this week in reno in three games nine for 14 that's yes. a 643 yes. batting average <laughs> 667 on base so he's on base two out of every three at bats three doubles five rbis his ops is 1.524 <laughs> i mean you want to boost his confidence right and he's hitting the crap out of the ball. Yeah. I mean, I know Reno is like one of those uh, safe havens for hitters, right? Yeah. But at the same time, like, that is a confidence boost. And it's almost like, uh, God, I'm going to make a really bad analogy, but 
It's like when you're playing Guitar Hero. Oh my gosh. And you're playing on hard. Love Guitar and Hero. And you're not good. Yeah, and you and go back you go down, down to medium easy, or easy. easy. Yeah, and you just or slay. Red, green, red, green. Oh, they're both at the same time. For the record, haven't played Guitar Hero in like 20 years. I, so I, I don't could know why never get to the level where they included the orange one. Right. I could never get my finger all the way to the orange button That's on the guitar. That's what this is. That's what this is. Tori is sending Alec Thomas down to AAA to learn how to hit the orange button. <laughs> and you know what? He's hitting the He's orange hitting button. It. He's playing Reno. through the fire and flames with no problem. That was the worst song. Have you? Did you ever get to yeah, the end of it's that? Hard. It's, it's hard. It's incredibly hard. End like credit song or I whatever. Couldn't do it on medium. It was horrible. I couldn't do it. Um, but I yeah, I'm fine with this. Um, they're I, they're not going to the playoffs. Unfortunately, honestly, we're 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 about to see probably a a twenty game improvement. From the the Diamondbacks this year, they've already they're almost there. I think what they win last year 50, 50, 52, 54? I can't remember, but they're already they they should eclipse it. Hopefully, they also have a chance to actually play in some meaningful games down the stretch here because they finished the season in Milwaukee, and Milwaukee is trying to earn or or yeah, they're trying to get into. The wild card right now. I think they're half a game out at this point. So the first wild card of the National League, if I have this right, would be the loser between the Mets and the Braves. Yes. Because they're both better. Oh, look at the standings right now. The Cardinals are the winners in the Central. Yes. All right. Here's here's the wild card in the NL. Um, Right now, it's... Oh, it's even more interesting. Okay. It's it's right now. It's Atlanta with the first wild card spot. They're 97 and 59. The Mets are 98 and 58. It, the second wild card team is the Padres. They're eighty six and sixty nine. And as of right now, while we're recording this, the Milwaukee Brewers and Philadelphia Philadelphia Phillies are tied for yeah. the third wild card spot at eighty three and seventy two. The Diamondbacks finished the year in Milwaukee, a series that was supposed to be their opening series of the twenty twenty two season, but the lockout happened, and so they moved right. this. They moved this series to the end of the uh, end of the schedule, so they have a chance to play spoiler. Those are going to be some big. Milwaukee's going to be throwing everything they, especially if they're if they're like this. If there there's a series in between when the Diamondbacks are in Milwaukee, the Diamondbacks are in San Francisco. I don't know who the Brewers play, um, so. We don't if know it's what still the, a tight race. If it's still three games, yeah, that's tight. Two to three games, that's really tight. And the Brewers are going to be throwing everything they got at the D backs. It's a good learning experience for these younger guys that are on this club right now. Um, but as for Alec Thomas, I'm he was struggling so bad. And Tori said, I don't remember if he said it in that soundbite you played, but he said we would rather him just instead of just barely hanging on to a roster spot. Um, with this team right now, just go down to Reno. I told, I told uh, Thomas Torrey said he, I told him that he's still a huge part of this club and he's going to be back. So I'm okay with this move right now. You hit on my absolute favorite part of the interview. What I explained to him is that he is still a very big piece of this organization. We are looking to go into this next, this next dimension as to what we can accomplish as an organization. His name is firmly planted in, in, in those discussions. Because if you don't have that conversation with Alec Thomas, he's left to wonder on his own, 
okay, when is it coming? Am right. I getting sent back down? Do I have a spot in this outfield come spring training? Yeah. Because, I mean, let's be honest, guys, we're already looking ahead to where am I in the grand scheme of things come next year? Well, and right now there's Corbin Carroll's playing really well. Yeah. Jake McCarthy's playing really well. And Varsho is on the verge of a 30 home run season here. Varsho, I, I was going through doing some pol- preliminary research today for a project you and I are going to do in the offseason of all-time greats at each position for the Diamondbacks, which is weird because they've only been around sure, for like yeah. 25 years. Right. Um, but Varsho, in my research I found out, has had one of the greatest seasons a right fielder. I'm putting that in air quotes. He's played all over. But he's having one of the best outfield seasons that the Diamondbacks have ever had. <laughs> and that's weird to think about because I don't think of him as their premier player necessarily right. on this team. Right. And that's a good question. Who is their premier player? Well, is it is it Cattell? Because he's had a really bad Cattell's year. Cattell's had a down year. Um, I think you still understand right that now, Cattell has the highest potential. Right now, I mean, if you're talking about premier player, like a guy that I'm excited to see every time he steps in the field, one I mean, it only happens once every five days, but Zach Gallen. Yeah. And then that's that's a good one. If you're one, talking yeah. about a position player, right now it's Corbin Carroll. Yeah. Honestly, that's who I'm excited to see. But Christian if you're Alec Walker Thomas, is maybe there right now because he hits a lot of home runs, but he's having a great year. Yeah. If you're Alec Thomas, though, that you're cognizant of that, right? Sure. That Corbin Carroll is emerging. Yeah. Alec played a great center field while he's been up. The defense, the defense never, never, I mean, he had a couple bad plays, but like he's a rookie. He's learning to play center field, which is probably one of the hardest positions to learn how to play. It has to be. Um, especially in the major leagues with, and, and Chase Field, there's weird divots out there, those overhangs, there's weird corners. And, it's a tough ballpark, you know, yeah. Yeah, and the defense has has flashed for Alec Thomas. That's not been the problem. It's, it's his bat. Hitting, yeah. It's his bat. And like I said, hitting 105 in his last 15 games, it's not great. But you got to be looking around at the other guys in this outfield, yeah. and you think to yourself, okay, Jake McCarthy, Dalton Varsho, Corbin Carroll, what do we know about all of them? They're all pretty fast. They're all left-handed, and they all play pretty solid defense. Mm-hmm. If you're Alec Thomas and you're like, well, that's what I do. my value to yeah. the team is my defense. I'm left-handed. I'm pretty fast. Like I'm the same thing as all of those guys. And maybe down the road we're talking about maybe they need to trade one of those guys to fit a better need somewhere. I think that's way down the road. Right now you have a great problem to have, and that's that you have too many athletic outfielders right, right. who are you know too young and up and coming and, and inexperienced. <laughs> if you're Alec Thomas, though, you're cognizant of the fact that, okay, if I don't do my job, if I don't get better at hitting, if I don't figure out what's going on here in the last month or so, then other guys are here to step up and take my job. And I love that Tori Lovello had this conversation with him because honestly, to draw another parallel, this is the conversation I wish Monty Williams had had with DeAndre Ayton in the offseason. Mm. It's a little different, right? Because yeah. Ayton's established. Alec is a rookie. Ayton just got paid big time. Yeah, it's very different. They tried to trade him. Nobody's trying to trade Alec Thomas, at least not that I'm aware of. <laughs> they shouldn't be. No. But my point is simply having that conversation and keeping them aware of where they stand in the organization long term. Hey. You're our center fielder. We need you next yeah, season. Yeah. Like you're a part of this. That's a very important aspect of grooming that relationship with a player, not just, hey, go out and do your job. It's we trust you. And and going back to what you said, like Alec maybe noticing, like, oh, these guys all do the same thing. You could argue, maybe not so much Varsho, but you could argue that three of your four outfielders are all center fielders as well. 
Yeah. So they're all capable of it. I mean, I'm not saying that Alec Thomas wouldn't, you know, be okay in left or right field, but I'm sure he wants to be the center fielder. I'm sure they want him in center field. He's probably the best defensively out of all four of them. So far, um, I think Corbin Carroll is very, very good in center field. Yeah. But Alec has played a really good center in the major leagues I, already. I, and yeah, and I prefer Varsho in the cor- in a corner outfield spot. I would agree, yeah. He can play center, though, if you need him to. He's made some pretty darn good catches out there, too. But yeah, I, I'm totally... I support that move that they made to send him down. It's not hurting anything. Um, and like you said, the conversation that Tori says he had with Alec Thomas is huge yeah. because you don't want it to be like, well, see you. Bye. You're not helping us. Goodbye. Yeah, it's easy it's, to it's, look at a demotion as like uh, you lost your job. And, and another way to look at it, too, like sending him down is what happened with Jake McCarthy. They sent him down after he'd been really struggling two times and it worked. He's now back in the major leagues and playing really, really well, where he is an everyday starter for them and Alec Thomas could look at that in that way and be like you know what this might be a good move for me because look what it did for Jake 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 was really struggling he came back and he's and he's really good he's playing really well so maybe Alec Thomas is taking that to heart and looking at the the positive that that could be I know it sucks he's been in the major leagues for almost the entire season and then at the very end he gets sent back down to Reno but I think the timing of it is good, too, especially where Reno is in their season. They're about to start the playoffs, and those are meaningful games that Alec Thomas gets to play in now. And he can help them win playoff games. So I'm not saying that the minor league playoffs are the same as major league playoffs. No, They're not. No. But it it's a higher intensity game. It's, it is a postseason. So maybe it'll be helpful for next year when this team hopefully will be trying to make a playoff run, make a wild card run uh, in 2023. I think also, too, like, just because we haven't said his name yet, I want to throw it out there. Stone Garrett isn't a part of this conversation because he's a totally different type of player. Yeah. But Stone Garrett deserves some credit, by the way. He's in the grand scheme of things in this outfield. Like, he's going to be a part of this outfield going forward. I sure hope, at least, when we get to spring training next year, that he gets a fair shake. Uh, Jordan Luplo, no thanks. I'm done with Jordan <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm over that. I'm Tori not. said at one point in the interview, he was like, I feel really good about Varsho and Carroll and Thomas and McCarthy and Luplo. Ah, and, and I was like, ah, ah no. He could have stopped. That's too many names. Nobody believes you anymore. Um, Another interesting move. This happened a little over a week ago, so I'm not going to pretend like it's brand new. But Madison Bumgarner got shut down last week. He had one really good start. What was that against the Dodgers? Yeah, against the Dodgers in L.A. Uh, Apparently a place he hasn't won in a really long time. Is that right? Like dating pre-Diamondbacks or just pre-Diamondbacks? Wow. I think. I never really looked at the at the splits. On I can't that. remember the someone tweeted it, it was his first win in L.A. I can't remember the year, but he, yeah, and it's it, not like he hasn't been playing games there. I mean, he's right. playing for the Diamondbacks and the Giants, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> so he plays so, there a lot. Yeah, um, Mad Bum getting shut down um, again. I agree. I agree with it. It probably should have happened earlier. You wanted it to happen sooner. I we talked about it like, weeks I, ago. I wasn't trying to like you know, take a crap on Madison Bumgarner, but I mean, he wasn't giving you a chance to win. He was throwing and, BP out and, there. And you want to, you want to win as many games this year as you can. You're not, you're not trying for the number one overall pick or whatever. You're trying to get these guys experienced, uh, experience with winning. And Madison Bumgarner wasn't giving you any, 
any chance to win. Um, just he like yeah. Here's his last. Here's his last start in um in 2022 uh, on September 21st in LA. Six innings, one hit, one run, one walk, five strikeouts. It's a great Very outing good. against the best team in baseball. That's by the way, great outing. A team that usually gets him pretty good. Um, but I mean, I'm still gonna look, look at his last seven starts. He's got a 7.36 ERA. Oh, that's no. Good. His last seven starts. I mean, he's one. He's one and four. Seven point three six ERA, one point five five WHIP. He's given up forty seven hits Ugh. in thirty six and two thirds innings. He's just not missing any bats. And but I agree with the timing this time. I, like I said, I know I said earlier. I wish it would happen earlier, just because he wasn't giving you a chance to win. But. The time to shut him down was probably good. this time was good because he was coming off a really good start against the Los Angeles Dodgers, the best team in baseball. They weren't sitting like a bunch of their guys. They were they were you know they're they were trying. Their freaking lineup is an all star team even if they're resting a couple guys. Yeah. Um. And Tori Lovello said that he wanted to get Mad Bum. Just he wanted to shut him down after a good like end of season on a high note. Yeah. And I totally get that because if you're if this team. If this team is trying to make a, a a wild card run next year, or I mean, I don't think they're going to win the division or anything like that with the Dodgers and the Padres in their own division. But I guess you never know. If they want to make a run at a playoff spot next year, Madison Bumgarner needs to be good for you next year. And whether he's your third starter or your fourth starter, hopefully he's not the third starter. I would prefer if he was the fourth starter, if they go out and get another starting pitcher that could be your number three. But in any case, he's still going to have to win games for you or at least put you in positions to win those games. He can't go out there and be giving up five runs a game, four runs a game in five innings anymore. If you're trying to win next year, he has to be good. And hopefully he can take what he did in this start against the Dodgers and kind of carry it over. I know it's a long time till spring training, but hopefully he can be working on some stuff right now, not have the stress of going out there every five days and pitching and 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 trying to win games. He could just work on stuff with Brent Strom and the other coaches and just figure it out and try again next year. It was a bad year for Madison Bumgarner. I mean, uh, he, uh, he, his ERA is almost five. On the on the season, yeah, you know he's had a weird year statistically speaking. So I was looking up the game logs earlier today and just kind of tracking his ERA throughout the course of the season. And I think a lot of people would be surprised to know this, Bear, but his ERA didn't really eclipse three point three, which is kind of the line I draw, where it's like you're either a good pitcher or a bad pitcher. It didn't eclipse three point three five until May twenty seventh. Mm-hmm. That's two months into the regular season. His ERA didn't eclipse four, which is really that line where you start getting into bad pitcher territory. Didn't eclipse four until August tenth. That's yeah. late in the season. So. While he's been atrocious lately, it's, Madison Bumgarner had a pretty hot start to the year. It's been gradually getting worse. Oh all yeah, season. no doubt about it. Like in April, yeah, in April he had a one point one seven ERA in five starts. That's really dang good. Yeah, great April. Um, and then in May he wasn't very good. He had a five three three ERA in June. He had a four zero six ERA. July four thirty five. August nine. <laughs> in August, it was nine point two three. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I buy that. Oh, August was when it all blew up, man. Averaged about five starts per month. 
But my point is oh simply my that goodness. there's evidence Yikes. pointing both directions that, yes, he had a really bad year, but he's also a very capable major league pitcher at times this season. Sure. And if you're Madison Bumgarner, there's my question. I wonder how he feels about this. Because it's kind of like the Alec Thomas thing, right? Where you get demoted so late in the season, you're like, well, what's the point? Like, there's only a couple games left. Just mm-hmm. let me do my job. Yeah. How does he feel about being shut down? Now, he's going to miss how many starts? One? Two? By getting shut down? Like, not yeah, many, not, right? not many. So, how does he feel when, in his mind, he's probably like, I can either do my job or I can't. And by telling him, hey, good job against the Dodgers, we're going to shut it down, you're essentially telling him he can't do his job right after he just did it really well. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like, if you're a player, you're coming out of that game thinking, oh my gosh, I can build some momentum off this. I can still do this. Yeah. And you just and, proved it to the world, and then they're like, all right, we're going to shut you down. Yeah. Uh, that sucks. Yeah, I. but I think, I think that being the veteran that Mad Bum is, he has to understand why they're doing it. You know, like he has to, he has to understand well, you that. You said earlier that part, of, the biggest part of it is that he's not giving them a chance to win. And while I would agree with you, especially statistically, there's no way in hell that Madison Bumgarner agrees with you. Oh no, you know what I mean? But, like the competitive nature within. Remember when he made that joke though? Well, if giving up seven runs a game helps us win, I don't really care. I guess yeah. I'll do that. I'm like, that was uh, bad. that's not Mad Bum. That's Happy Go Lucky Bum, and I don't like it. That was Corbin Carroll's debut. Yes, because it I was, was there. I remember, and I remember you and I talking that day. Two, and that seven was, runs. That was when you decided he needed to be shut down. And he made that joke, and we both looked at each other like, no, it's never okay to give up seven runs. It's never helping yeah. the team win when you give up seven runs. I know he was joking, but it was not. Right. A, it wasn't funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It wasn't funny, Mad, mad Bum. But I just think it's interesting because he's had such an... It's not even an up-and-down season. It's it a, was... One up and one down. It was the a weird roller coaster where they never went up again. It no, was never just, went back. They up. started at the top and then you just went down. Right. Uh, it was it's it's, more of a slide. It's the, it's the it's the Tower of Terror drop ride, you know, or whatever. Right. Um, I almost just broke my chair. Did yeah. you see that? What are you uh, doing over there? I don't know. Um, but but just they have to next year. Okay, next year. Madison Bumgarner is making twenty three million dollars next year. Highest paid player. Be your highest by far. By yeah. far your highest paid player. I think he's almost double the next player. The next player is Cattell. Marte, 12? 12, 12 and a half? Yeah. Like and then Ahmed makes 10. Yeah. Who knows if he's even going to be here right. or playing. Um, with Perdomo playing the whole year at shortstop pretty much. And then Lawler's on his way soon. So, um, But you need whatever they got to do. They need Madison Bumgarner to be a quality pitcher in their rotation next year. He's he's be your highest paid player, and he's gonna not even be your number one starter. Um, he shouldn't even be your top three starter. Hopefully, in my mind, ideally, in my opinion, for me, he should be the fourth starter. Hopefully, they can go out and acquire an, another top three starter in the rotation um, because Gallon's one. That's for sure. If he's healthy, without a doubt, yeah. And then Kelly is probably okay. Ideally, Mer- Merrill Kelly wouldn't be your number two, but you He's know, pretty solid. Who, who you know, who are they going to get? But, um, but Bumgarner, if again, if they're trying to win next year, which I think they are, I think they're trying to win. They're trying to win this year. They need to one. They need to get a whole new bullpen. Yeah, uh, which is far fetched. They need to at least get a new back end. 
because Kennedy and Melanson aren't cutting it at all. Melanson it. had a good outing yesterday in Houston in extras. He good for him. Save. His 18th <laughs> save on the year, by the way. Yeah. Um, but even that's not that impressive, though. No, he had 39 in well, San Diego ha- last what, year. What they kept doing was they kept throwing Mark Melanson in non-save situations, yeah. and he lost all the games. Um, but anyway, they need to fix their bullpen. Like it, that needs more than just some duct tape. That needs some new pipe work and all that stuff. A new foundation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just move. We'll just, just buy a new we'll house. Just move. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they they need to have Madison Bumgarner be. A quality pitcher in the rotation, ideally adding another good pitcher to your rotation as well, With whether that's trade or maybe one of the minor league guys sticks like Dre Jameson or Ryan maybe. Nelson. Um, Dre Jameson, by the way, uh, I like that kid. He is, it, is it the good. velocity? It is. It's the velocity. I like, we, we have people that throw hard. Yeah. It's so nice and refreshing. We haven't had a guy that threw this hard. Robbie Ray, I guess, you know, he was throwing pretty hard. Yeah, but he was throwing hard for a lefty. We're talking like 96, yeah. 97 at most for a lefty, I mean, which is Dre, pretty good. Dre Jameson, I've, I've seen him huff it up there at 99. Yeah. I've seen that. Um, In an era where we're seeing more velocity with pitchers than ever before, yeah, yeah. the Diamondbacks have really lagged in that yeah, department. For sure. Like, it, usually, I mean... Maybe it's the older bullpen, too. They usually go for old bullpen guys. They do. Melanson and Kennedy aren't well, yeah, revving th- it th- up. Think about this. Yeah. Fernando Rodney threw so, pretty hard. I Fernando guess. Rodney is probably the hardest throwing closer that the Hazen regime has signed. But Yoshi wasn't. Boxberger wasn't. Greg Holland wasn't. Joaquin Soria. Joaquin Soria Clipper wasn't. and Shirley wasn't. No. It's not even close. Melanson doesn't throw hard. Kennedy is like mid. He's like 93 to 94, But he was maybe. never a flamethrower. But no. but he was a starter. For when a he was a time. starter, he definitely wasn't. Um, but as a reliever, you can kind of let it go more. But... Yeah, they they need to get some bullpen help for sure. But yeah, the velocity on Dre Jameson is it makes me it makes me happy. It makes my heart happy. It's just, just a, something they don't have. They they it's haven't just had it in a long time. Yeah, out of a starter too. Right. Because I mean, Granky used to throw hard, but when he got here, he didn't. No. Yeah. No. Um. He was way past that. By yeah. Then. And mem- remember velocity watch with Granky every spring training. Oh my God! It's at eighty six. Yeah. <laughs> and it, that turns out he was just trolling everybody, and he was actually throwing eighty nine. Well, I I always tell the story. I once went to a spring training game, and Zach Granky threw nine curveballs in a row. <laughs> it's like you got to take it with a grain of salt. Everyone, that man in particular is so odd and unique <laughs> that he would go out and throw nine curveballs in a row. And everyone's, just to everyone's there to see his velocity. He's probably like, everyone's waiting for me to throw a fastball right now. I'm just going to throw nine I'm going to throw nine curveballs. <laughs> Why not? This is the same guy but, who decided during a bullpen session he was going to retire. His yeah. rookie year. I And I was, uh, I was doing the same thing when Bumgarner first got here. I went to his first spring training start, and what was I looking at? The radar gun. Bumgarner? Oh, yeah, Bumgarner. Yeah. I went to his first start. I sat in the press box for his first spring training start, and that was immediately what Same I was thing. looking for. His fastball velocity. And, I mean, that's just be, I just haven't been able to experience, like, uh, yeah, Robbie Ray threw hard. Archie threw hard in the bullpen when he got there, too. But that's been it, really. I mean, Patrick Corbin never threw hard. Granky didn't throw hard. Taiwan Walker was mid, kind of like 93, 94, the same, you know. But yeah. when did he pitch? I must have blinked. <laughs> 
He had one you good remember season. Taiwan Walker? He had one. He, 2017 was a good season for Taiwan. Okay. If you say so. I must have missed that season. <laughs> Zach Godley never threw hard. Oh, man. Now we're really digging deep. Um, Luke Weaver? No, he never threw He that. tried to. He, he tried. He was okay. Yeah, he was, but he got injured every time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think we're on the same page with Bumgarner. He's going to be here next season, barring some bizarre yeah, salary no, dump trade. No one, I, I don't think anyone's touching that contract. No, I can't imagine. Without the happening. D-backs paying a significant portion of it. And if you're going to pay a significant portion of it, you might as well just keep him. Right? I mean, you might as well see what he's got. Well, aside from Bumgarner, you don't have a lot of big contracts. Because yeah, the Diamondbacks true. have always kind of drawn the line in the sand at $10 million for players. <laughs> They're like, Robbie Ray's going to cost more than $10 million? Eh, let's trade him. Patrick Corbin, more than $10 million? Uh, let's trade him. Let's let him or they let him go in free agency. Yeah, uh, It's the same thing, usually, with players. They Once you hit that $10 million mark, unless you're Yasmani Tomas, uh, who <laughs> they will pay you oodles of cash to play in AAA, um, they pretty much just let him go. Hey, I think that it's worth noting the huge milestones. In, yes. in the power surge in Major League Baseball lately. Albert Pujols, let's start with that one. 700 home runs he hit it the other day. He hit 699 and uh, 700 in the same game, yep. which is crazy. In Dodger Stadium. In Dodger Stadium where he had his resurgence, essentially, after he was plucked from obscurity because I think his career went completely south. Oh, yeah. And the Dodgers, for whatever reason, maybe just the fact that they had an all-star lineup already and they're like, whatever, we'll bring him in. Maybe it was a marketing play. I don't know. But they brought him in, and he crushed lefties. And that's all they asked him to and do. And like he, the fan base in L.A. immediately fell in love with him, too. How can you not? Yeah, he's Albert Pujols. The story alone yeah. is just amazing. Yep. He's probably the best hitter of like this generation since the turn of the century. He's I would agree probably with that. the best hitter. Yep. Mike Trout is a better player because he adds a defensive and speed metrics that Pujols never could. But he's the most remarkable player since the turn of the century. Yeah. And he's had this resurgence in St. Louis, the town where he built his career, his hall of fame career that when he left, it just felt wrong. Mm -hmm. And he goes to the angels, takes all the money in the world. And for my money kind of sucked. In LA. He, he had a couple good seasons in in Anaheim. Not for the contract. But not though. no, not for, he he dealt with injuries. He dealt with the I think he had the plantar fasciitis in his foot. Um and that kind of hurt him and he could ne- he couldn't run anymore basically. He could barely even field at first base. The Angels are just a debacle anyway. I mean, look <laughs> they they they're always paying the wrong guys except for Trout. Um, the statistics he built up in St. Louis carried his Hall of Fame career, right? Like, four guys have ever gotten to 700 home runs. Four. Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, and now Albert Pujols have gotten to 700 home runs. It's hard. You know why? Because you have to hit a lot of home runs every single season and play for 20-plus years. Did you see that stat about, like, someone did the math on how, how much time that Albert Pujols has spent rounding the bases on home runs? Oh my gosh, it's got to be astronomical. It's, well, it's it's not like like hours. It's like he spent. I think it takes. I, what do they say? Like twenty seconds or something like that to round the bases. But twenty seconds? No, it's gotta average. Be, it's got to be more than that, right? Be, How long does it take to trot the bases? I don't know, but they said. I think it was. Seconds? I think it was like he spent over five hours of his life just rounding bases. Doesn't seem like a lot, but I mean, I guess how long I'd it like takes to is, see how that list 
of all players in Major League history, <laughs> the time that they've spent rounding bases, I'd like to see how that compares to the home run list. Ooh. Like, are certain players... Like, Hank Aaron has more home runs, but he runs faster. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, is, right, is right, his right. time lower than Pujols's? Pool, so, or Babe Ruth? Like, what you were saying with St. Louis, like, he hit 468 home runs in St. Louis, right. including this year, I'm guessing, because he's He was back. almost a 500 club member in St. Louis alone. He he only hit 214. I'm only. He only hit 214 in Anaheim, and he was there for 10 years. Two, you're saying 214 home runs? Yes. Okay, sorry. And then he... I was like, he never hit 214 average. <laughs> and then he hit three. Oh, wait, what am I looking at? I'm looking at the wrong thing. And he has, what, 20 plus Sorry. this season? He hit 466 in St. Louis, 222 okay. in Anaheim, and then 12 in a Dodger uniform. How many does he have this season? Do you know? Um, Let me look. He in has... I'm looking at the wrong column again. 21. 21, which is it, nothing to, you know... Right home about, but right. at the same time, when you're 42 years old, is they think he is, yeah, and you've gone through the the ups and the downs of your career, and you're definitely on the down, and you go to St. Louis, and I think a lot of us looked at that this before the season started and said, okay, that's just like a you're going that's home, fun. yeah, you're going home to pasture, and, right? And Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright are also retired. Well, Adam Wainwright might not retire, but Yadier Molina is retiring, so the you know. The the three the three amigos get to go out together, you know, and all right. that stuff. You know, it's a storybook ending. But we didn't necessarily think he was going to get to seven hundred. I hoped he was going to, but I don't think everybody expected it. And he had just enough in the tank. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of it was in the second half of the season too. Oh, yeah, after the All Star break, he was which rolling was, in August. It was out. It was crazy how what he was doing. Because I think most people were like, you're like, okay, he's not going to get to 700. Like, I didn't think he was not going to. And then he starts hitting all these home runs. In, well, and he in plays July on a team with Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, maybe the MVP, and yeah. Nolan Arenado, who might be the other MVP. And I mean, like, there's not this huge role. I know they added the DH this season, and that's probably a big part of the reason why the Cardinals that, got him. That helped, but at the same time, like, he didn't have a big role on this team. St. Louis is a good team, by the way. He might have a chance to do some damage in the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going to the playoffs, so they have a chance to win another World Series for Albert Pujols. His storybook ending oh, it's, might it's not great. end with him hitting 700 home runs. Uh-huh. I mean, I, it's plausible. I'm not saying it's likely. It's plausible he ends his career with a World Series victory. Wouldn't that be something? That's when an did, ending. What, uh, what year did they win it when they beat they Texas? Beat the Rangers in 11? Uh, 11. I think 11, you're right. 12? Something Man, like that. 11 years later, he yeah. might win another World Series. It's possible. That's crazy. Crazy to think about. But yeah, um, that was that was that was awesome to see because I've I mean, I was obviously I was alive when the Maguire and Sosa chase was and Bonds was going on, but I didn't I was so young I didn't care. Have you ever seen a big milestone live? You grew up in Arizona, of course you didn't. Um, <laughs> a milestone? Yeah, like a big, uh, like a perfect game or a or a no. home run of significance. Well, I I saw Albert Pools hit two home runs live, but they weren't like two in one it game. Was, yeah. It was like six ninety six and six. I think he's done that like three hundred times. Yeah, I, I've career. seen one of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think so. I saw when I was a kid. 
I don't remember. Not how that old. I can remember. I, I was probably like ten or twelve. I saw Rafael Palmero hit his five hundredth home run in Texas. Oh, nice. Yeah. That was before we realized what was going before on. Before he lied in front of Congress. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Before he went up there and went, I didn't do what you said period. I did. Period. Period. And he finger pointed. Period. Yeah. And, and I was probably like, a kid back uh, then and looking at the TV going, yeah. And then like a month later, it's like, Rafael Palmero has been busted oh. for PEDs. Oh, crap. Oh, damn it. All right. Well. Young Steve is sad. No, but you know what's funny? I was at the uh, I was at the Rangers ballpark this past week. Oh, I have a story I have to tell you. <laughs> okay. Um, I was at the ballpark, uh, the new one in Arlington. What's it called? Globe Life Field, I think. I is like the it. old one still still up? there? It's still there. Still there. They didn't knock it and down. And I love it. Architecture is beautiful. Yeah, it's anyway. a great looking ballpark, except for it doesn't have a roof, and it's in right. Texas, and it gets a million degrees on the field. Totally agree with you. Stupid. The new ballpark, by the way, is everything Chase Field should be. <laughs> oh, okay. So, all right. it's nothing like Chase Field, I saw, other than it has a roof. I saw your bar, your field level bar that yeah. you at. I went to a bar that's literally on the field level. Like by the right field and left field foul pole, they have them. And I was at the right field foul pole. And like you're at eye level with the ground Mm -hmm. and the right fielder is like 20, 30 yards away from me. It's crazy. (laughs) And I'm drinking beer. Um, But I was I was going to say I was walking around the hallway and they had a timeline of like Rangers history. Who cares? Right. (laughs) But the one bullet point I was standing next to on the timeline was Rafael Palmero hitting his 500th. And I was like, oh, I was there that day. Oh, cool. It's kind of cool. I got tacos that day from Del Taco. The Rangers had a a few good. I mean, Nelson Cruz and Josh Hamilton was. Oh, you mean like good players? Yeah. Like they had. Dude. Oh, Pudge. Pudge, Yeah. Pudge was at the game on Saturday that I went to. Oh, he was. Biggest ovation I've ever seen. Nice. Mostly because people in Arizona don't get ovations like that. Gonzo still does. RJ would if he ever showed up to a game. Nolan, did Nolan Ryan pitch for the Rangers? Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. I know he pitched for the Astros. He I owned could, the team for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I knew That's he pitched I for the Astros, but I didn't know how long if he pitched for the... He pitched for the Astros, the Mets, the Angels, and the Rangers, right? Yeah, the California Angels. Yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, at the game, I uh, I waited my whole life for this to happen. <laughs> I caught a foul ball in my hat. <laughs> I'm there with my family, right? I'll tell the story quick. I'm there with my family, my dad, my mom, and my sister. And in front of me is, I estimate he's a teenager probably, and his sister. And his parents went to get drinks. And there's a foul ball coming our way. My dad yells, heads up. And then he ducks under the seat. <laughs> Swear to God. Thanks, dad. And everybody do what I'm doing and get out of the way. I did what I always do at the game no matter where the foul ball is hit, I always take my hat off because I, I'm not going to go and try to catch that ball with my hand. I know that's going to mess up my hand. So I take the hat and it never comes to you, right? The foul ball never comes to you. This one, I swear to you, Bear, right off the bat, I knew that ball was coming to us, which is why my dad ducked under the seat next to me. And I stick my hat. It's it's coming down right in front of me and behind the guy in front of me. So right between us, right? He's reaching backwards. Over his head with his hands. And I'm reaching forward with my hat. Nonchalantly. Yeah. And it hits off of the kid's hand <laughs> and goes into my hat. So I, I, I get the ball, right? It's in my hat. And I hold the ball up and everyone cheers in the section. Oh, he got it in his hat. Oh, that's amazing. And I'm like, whatever. And so I have the ball. Pudge, you gotta see this. Right, yeah. <laughs> get over here. Take a look at this. And I, so I have the ball, right? And... It occurred to me to give the ball. He's he's an older teenager, right? It's not like some five year old. 
You give the ball to little kids. Yeah. It's not a little kid. It's a high schooler, probably. But the high schooler's telling everyone in the section, oh, check out my hand. And his his middle finger is going sideways, uh, like completely sideways. And his hand is shaking. But oh, he's geez, loving yikes. the attention. Sure. He's like, I touched the ball. He caught it in his hat. It's awesome. This is awesome. This he, is a great day. He never asked for the ball. So I kept it. Then his dad comes back to the section. <laughs> And his, and he's telling his dad, look at my hand. And his dad's like, what happened to your hand? <laughs> and he goes, I, I touched the foul ball. It was coming right to us. And I touched it and he caught it in his hat. And his dad's like, who caught it in his hat? And he looks at me and the dad looks at me and goes, you caught the ball? And I showed it to him. I was like, yeah, caught the ball. Yeah. And he goes, can I pay you for it? <laughs> and I was like, what? And he was like, I'll pay you money. How much? He was like, how much do you want for the foul ball? And I look at my dad. One I, million yeah, dollars. Right. My dad's got that glimmer Sam in his eye. Sam hit that ball. My dad's like, I'm going to get rich now off of ducking under the, <laughs> under the uh, seat. And I said to the guy, I was like, listen, if the ball is going to matter that much to you guys, you should have it. And I handed it to him. And he's like, are you serious? He's looking at me like I'm the dumbest guy in the world. He's like, are you serious? I just like, offered I, you a blank check, you idiot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just say a number and I'll write it down. It's the vibe that I got. And I handed it to him, and he goes, this is our first game that we've ever been to. And I was like, well, then you got to have the ball. Like, what am I going to do with that ball, right? Am I going to take it home and put it on my mantle <laughs> next to the Nolan Ryan autographed baseball? The foul ball I caught yeah. from Sam Huff? That's not autographed by Sam right. Huff. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what am I going to do with it? I've been to a million games. You should have it. And he's just, just completely baffled by it, right? And then he slips me a ten dollar bill later. <laughs> he was like, "Go get a beer on me." I was like, "All right, nice. cool." And then I found out later that I have a friend who's a, a a writer for the Rangers, covers the Rangers. Right before the game, he told Sam Huff that I was going to be there. I don't know Sam Huff for the record, <laughs> but Sam played at Arcadia High School, which I live right down the road from Arcadia High School. I don't. I didn't even know he went there. <laughs> And my friend told him in the clubhouse before the game, I have a friend at the ballpark tonight who lives right next to Arcadia. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of a cordial sure. thing, right? He hit the foul ball that I caught. <laughs> and my buddy went back and found it on the broadcast and showed it to Sam Huff after the game. And he was apparently he was just baffled by it. He's like, I hit the foul ball to the one guy that you said is from Arcadia. I was like, yeah. So it's kind of a hey, kind if of a you cool ever story. meet Sam Huff, you'll have a nice icebreaker. Right. It could be cool. I was going to say, you told me that story before, and my first reaction was, you gave the ball away, you moron. You were mad at me. Well, I, you I, were mad. I said, because you told me it was a high school kid, yeah. and my first reaction was like, well, that kid needs to learn that life isn't fair, and you don't just get all everything that he you want. never complained. But he then never you, asked for it. But then you told me that his finger oh, was so dislocated, up. and I'm like, okay, you're fine. My dad, <laughs> yeah, give him the ball. My dad turns to me at one point, and he goes... It's good that you didn't ask for money because his dad's going to need that money to fix his hand. <laughs> yeah, the ten bucks. Yeah, the ten bucks. Yeah, or the twelve hundred. I would ask I for. Now, I now, I now, you are off the hook for okay. giving away a foul ball. I've had many people tell me that I'm dead to them <laughs> for giving the ball to the kid. Like I've had you a broke lot of people. An unwritten rule, Steve. Yeah, I've had several you people tell me the it was the wrong decision. Little kids. I don't know, man. I wasn't going to give it to him, but then the dad offered to pay for it. I'm like, well, now I'm either a jerk for keeping the ball or I give it back to him and feel good about myself. It seemed like the easy choice. Yeah. It felt good. Hey, Aaron Judge hit 61. Yeah, that did happen. Is that important? Yeah, that is important. Okay. Let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. Well, let's talk about it. Is it important? I mean, it is the the, uh, tying the American League record 
for home runs in Roger a single Maris. season. Roger Maris, yeah. a former Yankee, yeah. obviously, and right. it's, done, it's tied again by another Yankee. And it happened way before steroids. Right. That's important context. Right. So people, I've seen people on Twitter, like, so I don't remember who tweeted this, but they were like, oh, it's so clever that everyone's saying American League record instead of saying, like, to work around the steroid error or whatever. It I'm is like, kind of just the nicer way to do but it. But I'm like, well, one, it is the American League record. True. 61. But, yeah, it, and I think Roger Maris Jr. came out on a broadcast and said that he thinks his dad's record is the true record, that the stero- like Bonds' record doesn't count, Maguire's doesn't count, Sosa doesn't count. Um, and I don't know how much of that is just, you know, it was his dad's record, but also like it was his dad's record broken by guys who cheated, cheated during the game. It's really simple for so, me. They did it. Mark McGuire hit 70. Bonds hit 73, 73. Yeah. But they cheated. But they cheated. So you, you could take that for whatever you it's, want. It's the it's the Hall of Fame argument all over again, basically. Yeah. Like Barry Bonds did all those things. But did Barry Bonds ever I mean it the eye test obviously tells you he was doing something because he was this skinny kid, a leadoff hitter. And he was stealing bases in Pittsburgh. He was a 40-40 guy. And then he goes to uh, San Francisco, and one one spring training he shows up, and like none of his uniforms fit, and his helmet doesn't fit, because he just became the Incredible Hulk. Overnight. Over the winter, and it's like, wh- wh- what's going on, Barry? Like all Every, Everyone knew. Like, I don't think he ever like tested positive, or like it was never found that he did. I don't know if his name was in the Mitchell report either. I, I don't remember. But like everyone knows he took steroids. Like you don't you don't go from what he looked like in Pittsburgh in his first couple years with the Giants to what he was doing in, you know, 03 or what you know, that that time period where he was hitting his 73 home runs in a season or breaking Hank Aaron's record, you know? But the other guys definitely they they tested positive. If for but, some reason you're doubting whether or not Barry Bonds did steroids, and like there's some shadow of a doubt in your head, go read the book Game of Shadows. Get back to me and tell me that you don't feel like he absolutely did it. These are <laughs> journalists who wrote a book about it who were punished for writing a book about it. Yeah, which means you when know that they happens, got it right. Yeah, and so I mean I'm not trying to argue one way or the other because I don't really know where I even stand on it. Um. I think we did a podcast earlier in the year where I said that Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. So, well, um, if you ever go to the Hall of Fame, he's in there. His stuff's you in there. You can't write the story of Major League Baseball without the steroid guys. Right. They're in there. The, they just don't have busts. Right. They just don't have plaques or anything or whatever, like that. Yeah, yeah, whatever plaques. you want to call it. The busts are the NFL. Whatever. Maybe. You know what I meant. Yeah, they always They look. don't have their face in the Hall <laughs> yeah. of Fame. But if you look through, there's the little ball. Yeah. There's the 756 there's ball with the probably, asterisk on it. His jersey and bat and whatever else. It's all in there. Yeah. He's in the Hall of Fame. Um, a lot of guys are in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> like, that are never going to be in the Hall of Fame. A lot Tim of guys- LaCastro's in the Hall of Fame. Remember when they put his cleats in the again? Hall of Fame? What was it for? It was like the most consecutive stolen bases. Oh, that's right, without, without getting, getting caught. Out. That was a Diamondbacks record. Like, he yeah. was with the D-backs when that happened. Yeah. So there's a D-backs LaCastro jersey in there. He's in the Hall in of Fame. He just doesn't have a plaque. <laughs> so anyway, um, obviously Aaron Judge is huge. Um the fact that it, that that hasn't been done in the American League since Roger Maris, who was a New York Yankee, 
Yeah. And it's done by another New York Yankee. In a contract a, year. In a cra- it's a crazy story. Oh, yeah. Aaron Judge is going to get paid. And he's going to, I mean, he's, I don't know where he's at right now with the batting average, but he could win the Triple Crown. Like, yes. He could win the Triple Crown. He could win a World Series with the Yankees. They're certainly a good enough team to be able to do that. Uh, he could get a $400 million deal or more. <laughs> I mean, like, he could have the most remarkable statistical output of a season that we've ever seen in Major League Baseball, offensively speaking. Still think Otani deserves Aaron Judge is currently, in batting average, he is in second behind Luis Arise from the Minnesota Twins. I swear to God, if Luis Arise is <laughs> the one thing standing in pump. front of him. <laughs> That's selfish. Uh, it's, yeah, and it's so close. Arise is batting 315. Judge is batting 313. I swear. Um, And then... Aaron Judge by far has more home runs than the second. Uh, Judge is at 61, Trout's at 38. By the way, just side note, Mike Trout has missed almost half the season. Correct. And he has hit 38 home runs. How did that happen? Because he's freaking good. He just can't stay healthy. Doesn't make any sense. And then uh, Judge is leading in RBIs with 130. Jose Ramirez is second with 119. So I think I read as of yesterday, the Yankees had seven games left. So I don't know if we're at six now or whatever the case may be. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, they have less games. Um, 62 is the number to get. I mean, you need number 62 to hold the record. Yes. How do you feel if he gets to the end of the season and he's tied with Roger Maris? It's still a great achievement. Don't get me wrong. But it is a little less sweet if you don't own the record outright. They have six games left. Six left. They play uh, at home. That's good. At home because of the short porch everywhere. Uh, <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere. I'm not, it's, it's everywhere. Is it a short it's, porch if it's everywhere? Yes, it is. The short porch. It's the whole thing. Down the, whole the left field. field line is a short porch. Center the field. Right field is a short porch. They, they play three in Yankee Stadium against the Orioles. Then okay. they finish. You really, you really, actually, no, I'm sorry. They have seven games left. Oh, look because at that. they're in, and here's where I screwed up. They're in uh, Arlington. Mm. To finish out the season, but they have a double header on Tuesday, October fourth. Yeah. It's a four game series in three days. Listen, he can do it. Left. He can clearly do it. Sure. Now, will anyone pitch to him? How will you? Well, because he's been walking. Like the Blue Jays were like not pitching to him. I've been and struggling I get it. with this. The Blue Jays are trying to make the playoffs. The yep. Orioles are as well. The Orioles are trying to make a wild card. I don't know if they. I don't think they've been eliminated yet. But um, so are they really going to let Aaron Judge beat them? Who knows? The Rangers. They'll just do whatever. I've been struggling with this because I understand. I get texts from all my friends that are like, these these wusses, they're not pitching to Aaron Judge. They're not even trying. They don't want to be the ones to give up the, the home run. Right. But on the other, on the flip side of that coin is if you're, I, I was reading quotes from Kevin Gossman or other guys that they're playing this week, I'm sure have the mentality of the best way for us to win right now is to not pitch to Aaron Judge. Right. To avoid the planet's best hitter. That's just common sense. So while I understand that it's frustrating that yesterday he had four walks out of his five at-bats or whatever it was, at the same time, guys aren't just scared of Aaron Judge. That's part of it, but it's also strategy. I mean, a lot of the times he's going to come to the plate and there might be one or two outs. 
putting him on base is not the worst idea because you have a much better chance of getting the next guy out. He also gets a lot of bad. It's risky. But. He gets a lot of bad strike calls because of how big he is. Sure, like he's huge. Yeah, <laughs> like he's huge. He gets he gets such, he gets a lot of bad strike calls, whether it's too low or too high. He's like, an NBA power forward, pretty much. And I don't know if you've seen those guys, but they're freaks of nature. When and the it comes Yankees, to size. the Yankees have two of them with Stanton as yeah. well. Like, like Aaron Judge um, singled in a game against the Blue Jays the other day, and he was standing on first next to and not a small man, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Certainly not, and he was towering over him. Towering over him, Aaron Judge it's is such crazy. A, There's that that iconic picture of Judge and Altuve next oh, yeah, to yeah, each yeah. other, and it's like, oh, little, little Jose the, Altuve, uh, you're like it's like his child. It wasn't it. Uh, help me remember, wasn't it Yao and Muggsy Bogues or something like that? Wasn't there a picture yeah, like that of the yeah, two of them? Yeah, it's the same thing, right? Nate Robinson, and Yao, and, and Dwight, blocking Yao. Nate Robinson and Dwight uh, in the, the dunk, dunk contest, contest, yeah, or something like that. Yep. Aaron Judge, to me, is is such an interesting case because this didn't come out of nowhere. Remember, Aaron Judge's first season in Major League Baseball was phenomenal. Yeah. And it, it's unlike most players, that doesn't happen where you have a coming out party in your first season. Yasiel Puig did it. Mike Trout did it. Bryce Harper did it. Aaron Judge did it. Not many other people do. And so Aaron Judge, while we knew he was capable of this, he just doesn't put it all together all the time. He's had, and this season he hasn't had a, a, a he hasn't had a stretch of games where he wasn't on. And he he's dealt with injuries in in the past. And it's one of those things this year. It's like, well, he's only healthy because it's a contract. You know, I'm like, well, I don't I don't really buy into I don't all buy that. that. Yeah, I, I I buy into the fact that guys may try harder in a contract year because they are sure. trying to get their next deal. They're trying to get paid. There's a sense of urgency. It happens a lot, I feel like, in football, especially because I mean, those seasons are so much shorter than baseball, and it's just a different sport altogether, obviously. But And and, and in football, like you never know when your last game's going to be. Like, Look at what happened with Tua tonight. Like, oh, uh, We're recording this on a Thursday, by the way, and the Bengals and Dolphins played on this Thursday Night Football, and Tua Tungavailoa, like, he he took a huge hit and wasn't moving, got carted off on a stretcher. And I felt uncomfortable bad. watching. The it was bad. Thing. It was bad. Um, but like, you, you never know in the NFL when your last game is going to be. Baseball is a little bit different. The same type of stuff can happen. You it's can not have, a contact you, sport. No, you, but you can have a catastrophic injury. But Could. most of the time in baseball, though, like uh, for for, a, you know, for a position player or whatever, it's uh, it's like tearing your ACL. You'll be back in a year for a pitcher tearing having Tommy John. You'll be back in a year and a half. Or so, but like football, it's so different because like you could like have this brain damage and all this stuff, and you can. Well, and I feel like end, but in baseball, out of all the major sports, in baseball, most guys play until their mid thirties. Yeah, because even like your point, rare ones. You into come their back 40s, from injury, right. and you're, you may not be the exact same player. I mean, just ask like Chris Medlin or right. you know some of those guys who had multiple Tommy John surgeries. Daniel Hudson, mm-hmm. certainly one of them, we're familiar with here. But at the same time, like you still come back and you still have value to somebody. Yeah. And you play until your mid thirties and maybe maybe your early thirties and then you call it quits. You're right. In the NFL, it's just different. If you're a running back in particular or an offensive lineman or one of those guys that literally your job is to butt heads yeah. with another guy right. at full speed seventy times a game, then yeah, you're probably done at twenty five or twenty six. It'll be really interesting to see if Aaron Judge goes back to the Yankees 
if you like t- if you take him off that team, I think that's on the Yankees. Oh yeah, they have to pony up. I mean, if they want him, and I mean, good. For, I mean, wants. good for Aaron Judge. He bet on himself before the season. Yeah, they offered him a really a, a, a lucrative deal. It was like two hundred and thirty million, two hundred fifty million, something like that. I don't think it was quite three hundred, but he two hundred fifty. I think yeah, he said no. He said no. That I'm worth more than that. And he goes out and hits sixty one home runs. But somebody said to me this morning, literally this morning, somebody said, "What a smart, I, like what a smart move by him to bet on yourself and to, to turn that money down and and go bet on yourself." He didn't and, know and this do, was going to happen. That was my point. I said, "I don't think it was the smart thing." The smart thing for any human being on this planet the money. is to take $250 million and have the security. It's a, little, it's a little bit of luck. It's a little bit of luck. Yeah. Did it work out? Certainly now, it worked there, out. Like Aaron Judge knows how good of a player he is. He knows. Of right. course he knows. But did he predict, did he know he was going to hit 60-plus home runs this season? No. Probably not. Did he know that he could... He could realistically win the triple crown something we've only seen once in like the last like 50 years or I don't know Cabrera did I know once Cabrera that who was I don't even know I don't some guy in like the 1950s probably I don't know I don't even remember I don't know what do they always use for Otani's? Not since Tungsten O'Hulahan or whatever you sent me I think you sent me one of those the other day but uh no, yeah, I remember the one I sent you. The dude that pitched 600 innings in a season. Yeah. Or something. I was like, he needs to chill. That guy needs to chill. In like 1803. He had the funniest name, though. Here it is. Here it is. You sent me this graphic uh, that says, there's only been two players in Major League history that le- that were team leader in both plate appearances and innings pitched. And one of them is Otani. This year, he leads the team with 633 plate appearances and 153 innings pitched. The only other one was Jim Devlin from Louisville, not a team anymore. Uh, from 1876, he had 299 <laughs> plate appearances and 622 innings. And I responded to your text with, Jim Devlin needs to chill. <laughs> 690 something innings? Yeah. Come on. What are you doing, Jim? Come on. Do they have any other Do innings. they have any other pitchers? No. Um No, that was back when only one guy yeah. pitched and he pitched the whole damn yeah. game. Yep. Um uh, but uh what were we talking about? <laughs> Judge. I oh, hope yeah. he gets 62, man. That would be really cool. I, it, um I'm not saying it's a waste if he doesn't. But it just hits different if I, he holds the record himself. I, I'm just glad that we're experiencing this, that, that like you and me get to watch this stuff happen. And especially with the, this day and age, like I can go on MLB.tv and watch any game I want now instead of I'm not limited to what's just in my market. Right. You know, um, so I get to watch these games. I get to I got to watch. Well, unless I, he does it on <laughs> Amazon. Well, <laughs> I was just going to say I didn't get to watch Albert Pujols do it because I don't have Apple TV. Oh, it's Apple um, TV. Sorry, yeah. my bad. Um, but no, the Yankees have a contract with Amazon. That so was the go. OK. Yeah. So that, that's what it was. But, Yankees, but I, Amazon. But any other day I get to I get to watch Albert Pujols hit. And then social media, those people post the videos right away. So like it was kind of like I was watching it. By but, the way, that was such a bogus argument about the Amazon thing and the Yes Network where fans were like, 
come on, Amazon, just let <laughs> Yes Network and Michael K do the do the games because there's going to be big history. And I was like, do you not know how capitalism works? <laughs> Amazon paid a buttload of money yeah. to broadcast a couple of games, and they happened well, to pick a really good team at a really good well, time. And here's the thing, though. They paid for that. Here's the thing. I, that The only thing that bothered me about the Apple TV thing was, with the Amazon deal with the Yes Network and the Yankees, Michael K still gets to call the games. Right. With Apple TV, the local TV guys don't get to call the game. Right. So... I don't know the guy's name, um, but the St. Louis play-by-play guy who's been doing it for a long time, he missed out on calling 700 for pools because it's on Apple TV. They couldn't. I would just do it in the living room and they, post it on Twitter. But they couldn't like phone the guy after. So after pools hit 699, they should have just you know what. Let's bring in so-and-so on the phone and have him do it. <laughs> bring him in on Zoom, on FaceTime, because it's Apple, FaceTime. Yeah. Just FaceTime him, and <laughs> I don't want to anger Apple, but I'm kind of crapping on their service. But well, uh, but anyway, but yeah, so that night, too, Pujols, both the Yankees and Cardinals games were on Apple TV. Both of them. That night. Like we could have seen Judge hit sixty one, he didn't. But we could have seen him hit sixty one and pulls at seven hundred and on Apple TV. But anyway, Dude, local local media outlets and networks must be quaking in their boots right now because that's the future. Yeah, All look at what the NFL services. is doing right now with Thursday Night Football. They're playing right now as we're speaking. It's on Amazon. You can't even watch Thursday Night Football on terrestrial TV. They anymore. also have the deal with Peacock because NBC. Yeah. Um, so it's like it's crazy to think, but like I think going like, into the future, you're going to have to have I, I all think, these different streaming services to watch one team. I think you can get just Red Zone on YouTube TV now and all that stuff. So you can yeah. get it on cable, but yeah, it's it's crazy, man. But I but just to finish my thought, I just felt bad for the local TV broadcaster. How can you not he just didn't get he didn't get to call history. It's like the Suns winning a championship and Al McCoy runs. doesn't get to be there. Yes. That's exactly it just, what it it's is. It's just wrong. That's exactly what it is. And and to clarify the, the my stance. The radio guys got to call it, so cool for them, but the TV guy didn't get to. To clarify my stance, too, I talked about how the Yes Network shouldn't have gotten the ability to do that. I'm a huge fan of all games for everyone. I want everybody to have access to baseball because I think it's a better idea for everyone to have access than for no one to have access. For a long time, the Dodgers fans couldn't watch their own games in their own market because they were blacked out. I'm a fan of everybody getting to see as much baseball as possible because that's what's good for the sport and grooming like new fans to the game. Uh, but at the same time, if somebody pays for rights to broadcast a game... They get to broadcast. Sure, the game. I get That's it. That's just how it, it works. It just kind of stunk. That's yeah, all it was for sure. Hey, so next week the season will be ending. Last game for the Diamondbacks is, I believe, Wednesday, which means that you and I will be back next week to kind of give a wrap up to the season. Of course, we'll still be around for the postseason and beyond, uh, filling in on all things Diamondbacks and uh, Major League Baseball. But next week, I think we should focus a little bit specifically on a wrap-up of this particular year in context of what it means for the Diamondbacks moving forward. Obviously, going in the right direction when you compare it to last season, but we can wrap up and say, hey, here's what worked, here's what didn't work, here's what needs to happen in the offseason. I think that's the plan for next week. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. It is the Ain't No Fang Podcast. I'm Steve Zensmeister with Cody Fincher as well. You've been listening here on the Arizona Sports app and on ArizonaSports.com. Yeah.